And finally, we are here with Alaska Podcast, babes. Welcome back to Person of Interest with me, Natalie Jones. Happy Earth Day. I am so excited to get this going. So let's not waste any time here. Y'all have got to meet Bernie Carl. This man was introduced to us through Marty Rainey. He's the guy on Nat Geo and on the Discovery Channel. He is our next Person of Interest. That will be released next week or so. Bernie Carl owns the Chena Hot Springs and the Ice Museum. Those are pretty world famous. Do you, have you ever seen on PBS or Nat Geo or the Discovery Channel? Or I remember I saw it on MTV when I was a kid. This place that was an ice museum. I'm talking everything about it was made of ice. The chairs. There's a bar and restaurant made of ice. All the glassware made of ice. The door. The, there's a bed you can stay in that's made of ice. Yeah, that place. This man, Bernie Carl, owns that place. And well, the most fascinating thing about it when I got there, as I could not stop, is that on the grounds there, there's a restaurant, an ice museum, a hydroponic garden that fuels the restaurant where you eat all the food. There's a hotel, the famous hot springs. There's an event center, a rec center, and an indoor pool, just to name a couple. All of this stuff is ran 100% on geothermal engineering. I'm talking about energy that comes from the ground and comes from the sun. And this man is a wizard master, science, Scott. He's a genius, a genius. And he's outlandish and he cusses and he talks about sex and he just talks about everything openly, all full of love and compassion because he genuinely cares about the people around him, empowering people and Mother Earth and energy. He really, really, really does. And what's crazy about this that we don't really get into is that he has a background in oil drilling, and now he drills for clean energy. Super, super cool. He goes into the details of it a little bit in the beginning, and then in the back end, he talks all about his family and his life goals. I mean, we go all over the place, and I decided to leave it all in there for you guys. So also to preference, we did this interview on my cell phone that was about to die at 1030 at night before I got into the hot springs with my family or my friends that I was with there. My brothers, my family, you know, and my two friends to see the Northern Lights. And we had already been with Bernie since 7 p.m. He gave us the tour of the building, which was just phenomenal. DM me if you want any more, uh, if you have any questions about this. I can speak at length of it. I haven't nerded out over something that inspired me so much in years. Oh, my God. If you want to nerd out about plant talk of the environment, please call me. Um, so he gave us the tour. Then he took us into the ice museum after it was closed. And he gave us special drinks. And he got us and he gave us a bunch of martinis. And then he went and fed us in his restaurant. And then we sat down in the lobby of his restaurant and did this interview on my cell phone. And this is what happened. I hope you truly love it. And in the beginning, he talks all about the mechanics of the engineering. And then stick with it to the end. It is definitely not something you want to miss. And if you have any um, questions about Bernie Carl, just Google him. Bernie Carl, okay? And let me know if you ever want to contact him. He is um, searching for someone to make a documentary on what he's doing here. He has this huge project that's going on that he's in cahoots with Elon Musk with at Unalaska. And it's all pretty, pretty fascinating. Please enjoy. I'll shut up. I'll get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Bernie Carl. He has a name I think we're all going to get used to. One day he will be a household name for now. He's on the upward trajectory. Here we go. I know. You're a tough person to interview. Have it, has this happened often before? I've been interviewed before, yeah. So, I'm even trying to think of what angle to go in because there's so many to go. Um, is it okay if I get closer? Oh, yeah. You can do whatever you like. No All right. Reason. Okay. <laughs> I, am, I, I am happy. <laughs> I'm happy with another lady, though. <laughs> uh. So, um, what strikes me... 
Um, like the most about you, Bernie Carl, is you seem to really love what you do and you think that there are no limitations in life. There are no limitations in life. You got to have God first in your life, and then there's no limitations. You know, everything I do in life has to be morally right. I could give a shit less if it's legal, but it's got to be morally right. Yeah. I won't. Do anything, <laughs> Amen. I won't do anything immoral, but I could give a shit less if it's legal. Have you always been this way? Yeah. Have you always been godlike? Always said God first, forever. Yes. Really? So, what made you um, buy the hot springs? And what year was it, 1984, No, ni- n- 1998. 1998? Uh, February 29th, leap year. So we only have an anniversary every four years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought it because uh, I knew the value was in the hot water and everybody was missing the value. We have the first geothermal power plant in the state of Alaska. So it's been here for since God made the earth, but there was nobody making power off of it. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I did. Uh, I We bought the place, and on the the day we bought it, I started drilling a hot water well. On the sixth day, we finished the well. On the seventh day, I stopped burning diesel fuel in the pool. You know, on the seventh day when the good Lord rested, mm-hmm. it says That's in the Bible saying. that if your ox is in the mud on the Sabbath, you can work to get him out. My wife said the problem with that is you always push your ox in the mud so you get to work on the Sabbath. I've been accused of being a workaholic, and my wife's friends would always say, how can you stand to be married to a workaholic? She said, that's better than being married to an alcoholic. She said, I tried that once. So, you know, she liked being married to a workaholic. Do you like being a workaholic? Oh, my God, yes. That's better than being an alcoholic. So I would, I I love what I do. I've never really had to work one day in my life because I enjoy what I do. As a kid, I always had two jobs. I mean, I worked full-time at Caterpillar Tractor, full-time at Pabst Brewery. I work seven days a week. Well, because you're from Iowa? Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. Illinois. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the most blessed human being in the world. I've never had to work one day. Well, so what did you do before, in Alaska, what, what did you do before you bought the hot springs? Mechanic. Damn good one. I can weld the crack of dawn, weld a broken heart. Imagine <laughs> that, welding a broken heart. Yeah. And uh, I've been blessed to be able to fix things. I'm a fixer. And... Uh, you know, I was a mechanic, and then I went gold mining, and when we finished up the mine, I wanted to stay in the mining business, so I started a recycling business. And that's before recycling was even a word in the dictionary in 1984, and mm-hmm. and now we've become the largest recycler in the state, and we have been for many hey years. Yo. We recycle everything from light bulbs to jet engines and everything in between, and uh, we're good at it. If you throw it away, I make a living off of what you throw away, so... How much money do you make off of people taking shits? Uh, well, right now, none. But by the time this, when this year's over, I'll have two methane digesters. And, <laughs> and I'll make, uh, I should make somewhere around uh, $3 million a year from people shitting. Oh, dear God. Well, thank you so much, I guess. Uh, can yeah. you teach me how to, can you teach me yeah, how when, to do that? When you shit, I plan on making 5 to $10. So you were saying before. Yeah, so when you flush that toilet, if you got the Hershey squirts, I might even make 12. <laughs> okay, can I be honest? I'm li- I've, I've been, like, listening, all, you know, and I'm, like, trying to, like, play. I'm like, how in the world is it actually going to happen? I don't, because I don't understand the technology. Well, nature but does But I know it all. that it's... When you, when you, any animal that takes a shit out in the woods, what do you think happens with that shit? Turns into fertilizer, turns into the ground. Yeah, but but 
it's bacteria eating it up and it's giving off methane gas. So I'm just doing it inside of a controlled atmosphere, inside of a tank, so I can control it and all the methane gases. Nature's going to do it all. Only I'm going to collect the gas and cook your food on it. So I'm really doing well. <laughs> so I built the hydrogen kitchen of the future. It's already done. Really? Yeah, I did it last year. So, so when this methane gas comes, it's going to go right into my kitchen and I'm going to cook with it. So I'm really, if you think about it, it's the full circle of life, right? I mean, I mean so we grow the food and you eat it. And then you take a shit, and that goes into my methane digester. Nature breaks it down, turns it back into methane gas, and, and I cook the food with it. You eat some more food, so it's just a circle. It's a total circle of life. It's just that I'm not polluting the environment with anything. I'm using it all, so I'm controlling, I'm controlling the environment of the bacteria that's eating all the shit. I'm, I'm, controlling, I'm controlling that. So that I get to use it instead of instead of putting in the air and polluting the air, I'm doing just the opposite. I'm using it all. When I get done, when I get done, when all the nutrients are eaten out of your shit, now it's just a really nice fertilizer that I can use anywhere because it's already it, it's it makes beautiful fertilizer at that time. So I'm doing two twenty five thousand gallon continuous feed methane digesters. So when you decant, when you when you take a shit and then you flush that toilet, there's only 1% solids in there. So, so I have 25,000 gallons a day of, of um, sewage that goes into our... Th right now, we have three septic systems here, two 10,000-gallon septic tanks and one, one 5,000. That's 25,000 gallons. That's how much I can process in a day. That 25,000 gallons a day is going into my digester, and I'm going to decant it and take the water off, so that means there's only 1% solid. So out of 25,000 gallons, there's going to be 2,500 pounds of, of, of solids. Mm -hmm. Not 25,000 gallons of solids. Most of it's water. Yeah. So I get rid of the water and I have just the solids. And every day I do the same thing till I get, till I get 21,000. And, and I'm going to have, uh, have 21,000 pounds of shit in there. And that's going to work. And in 21 days, it's all done. And then I keep putting it in the next one. So it's just a balanced system. Yeah. And then I take I take all the solids out of that tank and use it for fertilizer when you have any smell in it. And then I start over again. So, But oh, it's continuous feed, so I'm always having one cooking. So I always have all this methane gas being made. And, and uh, I'll store it in the propane tanks I already have here. Mm-hmm under five pounds of pressure or 10 pounds of pressure. It'll come over. I'll use the gas Have you always thing. been like a scientist about this? Yeah. My dad taught us to read. I'm family of 16. I can read, so I can do anything. So you were homeschooled? Uh, no school. My dad just taught us to read. Yeah. So I guess it's homeschool, but real, not, but, but once you learn to read, you don't need any schooling. He taught us math and taught us to read. Um, so we live in a world of laws and certain boundaries. Do you think about those ever? Well, I was on the corrections board up here for 15 years. So we have about 3,800 people locked up in Alaska. And 60% of them can't read. Can't read. You can't believe how many people can't read. That's why I know I'm blessed, see? Yeah. So my goal is to... 
take these prisoners and put them to work growing food in these big, massive greenhouses that we're going to be building. And I want to teach them, uh, I want to teach these people to read and teach them to have some skills. Because right now they don't have any skills. And the only they look for drugs and alcohol. 95% of everyone that's locked up is locked up for drug yeah. and alcohol-related crimes. Drug yeah. and alcohol-related crimes. And the only way you're ever going to curtail that is to, first of all, have God involved. Second, have some compassion for people that can't read. Oh, yeah. Greed gets in the way of compassion often. So I, uh, I've taught over 50 people to read. So I'm going to teach a whole bunch more. What's your favorite part about being a boss? The difficult part? Your favorite part. And oh. then, then tell me the oh. difficult part. Oh, my favorite part is uh, watching people get it. You know, once they, it's like this light bulb goes off and they say, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. You know, once you see that spark in a person, it just, uh, it's so rewarding. And the worst part is, is have someone die. I've had two people die that worked for me, both with drugs, both stoned pot, and I wasn't paying attention. One right here, smoking a doobie, fell asleep, stoned. Because now the pot today is, some of this pot is really good shit. Mm -hmm. And uh, fell asleep and burned himself up right here in a cabin right on the property. 24 years old. Really? And I blame myself. Hold on, I was going to say, you're about to blame yourself. No, that's not, that's, it's not your fault. Did you think that there's something you could have done? Well, yeah, because, see, I have strong rules here, no pot. And I wasn't doing drug testing like I should have. I just drug tested. Last week, I paid $8,800 to everybody drug tested last week. Uh, I had to get rid of six employees and really good ones. But, uh, you know, I I won't. uh, That that boy's dead, you know. He's dead because I wasn't paying attention. And I have two of my foster kids in prison forever. Because I let them smoke the pot. I let them. Because yeah. all their friends were. I let them do it. And they both got into crystal meth. One of their friends hung himself. Another uh. one got shot in the drive-by shooting because they were cheating their customers they were selling to. They're both in prison. It's a, that's, a, that's a tough world. I, we can't even go. Well, I know the world, though. So you see, so I'm... You asked. That's where it is. So I'm... Uh, I'm down on drugs, and I know it's legal, and I'm still down on them. Because I, I personally know what can do. See, people can say anything they want. I personally know what happens. I'm talking my own life with my own foster kids, with my own help. You know, and just pot too. I don't mean, yeah. you know, I, I don't mean, I don't mean crystal meth. Although they both got onto crystal meth. But so. Um, so your operation here is vast, and you do, and it's multidimensional. We're a small city. We, we built and maintain our own runway, our own water system, our own sewer system, 20-plus uh, miles of road we built, five bridges we built, uh, our own power plant. So you're giving so many gifts. This is what I love when I meet people like you, is you're giving so many gifts to the world and your community. I don't know if you're fully aware of it but you are every day in what you're doing i'm just a worker bee and i love working 
you know, I'm just a worker bee. Can you tell me about um, the Unalaska project that's going on? Are you allowed to talk about it for oh, real? Yeah. Okay, so this really struck me. And then when we started talking about this earlier, um, I'm just completely captivated by the whole operation and everything about it environmentally because I like, love to nerd out on environmental stuff. So Unalaska is uh, it's out uh, halfway out on the Aleutian chain. It's 900 nautical miles from Anchorage. Uh, 1,200 nautical miles from here. It's out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on one side, in the Bering Sea on the other side. Uh, it's the largest fishing port in the United States. It ships, uh, it ships uh, 78,000 containers a year through there. Uh, they have uh, container ships that come there every week. They have one container ship that comes there and goes direct there to China. They sell a billion dollars a year with the fish to China. Um, the China's our largest trade partner because of the fish. 60% of all fish that are consumed in the United States come from Dutch Harbor. 60% of all Which is fish where you're consumed. building, which is where, That's you, where we're this putting, operation is going into. We, uh, we put together a deal to buy 7,000 acres and half of the McCushion volcano from an attorney down in San Francisco. Uh, he had it, uh, they bought it from a mining company many years ago. And uh, we bought it from them and put it together with the Unalaska Native Corporation. They've been there for 10,000 years. They can, they can trace their heritage back, their living, to 10,000 years ago, which is the first inhabitants in America, 10,000 years ago, right there. And, and they can tra- trace it back to that. Really? So... There's uh, 4,500 people that live there in this community all the time. And then during the A and B fishing season, 10,000 more people come in. So that's 15,000 plus people. Um, the, the town uh, has five diesel power plants running. One that the city owns. And then there's four, there's four uh, fish processing plants. Big, biggest fish processing plants in the world are there. And... Uh, and so they each have their own power plant. So what are you doing in... Um, what is your effect going to be in Unalaska we will, for the world? We will be the poster child uh, for this administration on how you should develop uh, a project from start to finish in concert with the environment around you. Uh, we'll displace 16 million gallons of diesel fuel a year. Uh, we will have the first power into into Unalaska in December of 2023. Uh, our goal is by the middle of 2024 to have every power plant on Unalaska shut down. By the end of 2024, wow. have 4,500 electric vehicles there, uh, electric pickups, electric cars. What did we tell you that um, Alex here has already pre-ordered a Tesla truck? Is that right? Yeah. He's the first person. I, yeah. Well, my goal in life at 25, I'm 24, was to own a Tesla vehicle. And um, I'm a wedding videographer and DJ, so I needed the extra space. And then once Elon announced the Cybertruck, I, I bought it right away. Wow. So, 
Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. When you brought that up earlier, I was just like, I got giggly inside. So yeah. It was, it was just awesome to hear that. Yeah, yeah. We hope to have, we hope to have, we hope to be the first community in the world to be 100% electric vehicles. 100%. All the, you know, 100 tractors, you know, like right now Walmart is buying all electric tractors from Tesla and they're, they're going from the East Coast to the West Coast, GPS guided unmanned. And I think they have over 100 of them running now. And so uh, we'll have 100 there. We'll be moving 76,000 containers a year with electric tractors, you know, instead of diesel. And uh, we'll lease them to them with the option to buy. They'll plug them into geothermal. They'll never, they'll, our goal is to have zero emissions. When I mean zero emissions, I mean zero. Zero. And so uh, every home we're going to put a, we just finished the study at our expense. We just finished the study on putting a heat pump in every home. There's 1,050 homes plus the businesses, and we're going to put a heat pump at no cost to the people. We're going to put the heat pump in. So you put one kW of geothermal energy into the heat pump, and it gives you back three kW of heat. So it's a refrigeration system running backwards is what it is. So we'll put one in every home. It'll cut their, it'll cut their energy costs down in their home by one half. And no emissions. No smokestack. So it's exciting, it's very exciting. to be able to do these things. And then that's all the first phase. The second phase is to put in 40 acres of greenhouses, all glass greenhouses. Each acre will be $2 million, heavily automated, but still going to need a lot of employees. And my goal for employees is to, is to uh, there's a program with the federal government to put prisoners to work. So my goal is to do this all. What is your connection with um, empowering prisoners? Well, I was on the corrections board here for 15 years. So I know a little something about prisons. I know something about yeah. prisoners. I know something about crime. And all I see is a tremendous opportunity. People see people locked up as a problem. I see people locked up as a hell of an opportunity. First of all, teach them to read. Mm-hmm. Teach them to read. That's the greatest gift we can give them. Yeah. Then they can read the Bible and teach them to read the Bible and give them each Bible because they've never had one. I've never even seen one. Can't read, so I guarantee they've never read one. So why not teach them? Why not, even if they don't believe in it, how about just teach them to read it? It's a great book, is great there, history book. Is there any problem you haven't solved? No. Is there, can you tell me your biggest failure? I've never had failure. Here's the What, what, what you've learned no. from the most. No. Sorry no. to say that word. Let me see. Webster says failures if you don't succeed. I think Webster's an idiot. Failures if you never try. And you could never, ever be a failure unless you quit. Now, I've had several projects that I've done that people say that I failed at. One was making fuel pellets because I was taking garbage. And I honestly believe that I could recycle 95% of all garbage. And, uh, and we ran our local landfill in town. And uh, I got crossways with government. I didn't realize you had to get along with government. I thought if you, were, if you weren't borrowing government money and you were young and ambitious, you didn't have to get along with them. Wrong. <laughs> now I have... I buy, baby arm. I buy rubber lips, and I've got 144 of them right now. Rubber lips, nose plugs, and knee pads. 
And I've learned that you have to kiss some nasty ass. Oh. I said I would never do it, but I'm pretty good at kissing this nasty ass oh. now. Because I lost. But you're I doing lost. it on your own terms. I'm I sure lo- you're finessing kissing that ass in a way that. We, we were recycling <laughs> garbage, and I, I lost $2.1 million. And I paid the bank off. I had no income coming in. It took me 11 years at 18% interest. I, I went to the bank. The bank was Denali Bank. The president's name was Gary Roth. And um, my lawyer recommended I file bankruptcy. Give him 75000 They put it in a trust account. We filed bankruptcy. We stiffed the bank for $2.1 million. And he said, you're, you're perfect for bankruptcy. You're, you're, you're the candidate. So I went to the bank, and I went to the banker, the president. And I said, Gary, I said, I'm paying you, I'm paying you two and a half points over prime. I'm paying you 11% interest on this loan. I said, you know, I said, we no longer have anything with the borough. I said, I owe you $2.1 million. I said, I'm going to pay you. But I said, I need you to lower that interest rate to, uh, to, to prime, which would be 9%. Mm-hmm. He said, Bernie, he said, nobody borrows for prime in this bank. But if they did, it would be our very best customer. I said, Gary, I am your very, very, very best customer. I said, my lawyer just recommended this morning that I file bankruptcy and stiff you for 2.1, <laughs> I said, I fired him. And I said, he also happens to be your attorney. I said, so you should fire him too. Really? Yeah. How was that? Small town. Small town. And so the bank did fire him, but it took him two weeks. I fired him instantly. And so hey. Gary lowered my interest rate to 9%. And, and sometimes I would get, you know, I had no income coming in. I'm in the recycling business, but I mean, not, not that kind of income. And, the payments to the bank were $17,000 a month. And I would get behind, get as much as three months behind. And after three months, they got to turn you in as a non-performing loan. And that creates all kinds of problems for the bank. So then they would loan the money to me personally. So now I'm paying 9% on the commercial loan. Now I'm paying 9% on the personal loan I just borrowed to make the payments. So that's 18%. And I did that for 11 years. And at the end of 11 years, I had it paid off at 18% interest mostly. And the bank took my wife and I out to dinner, out to the Turtle Club. And they have like a 42-ounce uh, turtle cutter, you know, of prime rib. It's about that thick. And I ordered that. And I ordered I ordered uh, gold nugget prawns. <laughs> and I ordered top shelf beef eaters gin and tonics. And I ordered dessert. I ordered everything. I couldn't eat half of it, but I took it home. But the bank was taking me to dinner for paying that loan off. So Hell yeah. Yeah, at 18%. So, yeah, I would say my biggest hurt was to not make that project work. And and I did make it work later on. You saw the bricks up there I make now. And yeah. I do make fuel pellets. And I'm working on a gasifier now that... It is going to use 15,000 tons of fuel pellets a day. So, so I haven't given. So, so Webster's definition of failure, I would be a failure. But I'm telling you, Webster's <laughs> messed up. Failure is if you don't try. And you can never fail if you don't quit. I've, I've never had a problem ever. I just had some inconveniences. And some of the inconveniences have to do with money. And I've never let money ruin my day. I've never let money be my God. So... 
If you could give advice, say, say you're talking to my brother Jake. I want to give him all the advice in the world. What would you say to a, um, a businessman budding in the world? It's real simple. Always be the first person to show up at work. Always. And by being the first person, I mean, if you're supposed to start to work at 7 o'clock, be there at 6.30. Always. Rain, sleet, snow. Always be the first person there. Always. Number two, don't steal. Don't steal paper clips. Don't steal a pencil. Don't steal any. Don't steal time. Don't That's ever the most steal. Important don't, time don't, the don't, most don't ever steal from anybody, but especially somebody you're working for. Number three, do not, you know, there's one perfect person in the world. They nailed his ass on a cross. You're going to fuck up. You're going to do it. But don't lie. Do not lie about what you've done. Tell the truth. You can't ever go anywhere if you lie. If you're a liar, you cannot go anywhere. You're going to screw up. Tell the truth. Number four, don't come to work impaired on drugs. Don't come to work impaired on booze. Don't come to work impaired with lack of sleep. Come to work ready to go to work. Somebody gave you a job. If you want to get ahead and you want to shine, don't do drugs. Don't come to work impaired. And number five, work to the absolute best of your ability. Give the person you work for 100%. Not 50%, not 90%, 100%. Did you ever work a job you didn't like? No. When you were mining everything? I loved it. I've never done anything I didn't like, ever. I washed dishes better than any person you ever met. I cleaned bath... I cleaned the bathroom so well you'd think Mr. Clean was in there. I mean, no, I take great pride. In We've been talking tonight about um, about your your newlywed. Congratulations! How about you and your new wife. So, what is your life like now? How is it different than it was? I mean, we'll say twenty years ago. I mean, you showed me around your complex here, which, by the way, thank you so much. You're welcome. This has been really, like, so amazing. Um, Marty is such a character. Whatever. I just met him in the airport on Sunday, and, like, he provided this opportunity. Here. I mean, my friends, this is just amazing. Were you really. going to stay there? Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, I forget what I was saying. I'm just really grateful. This has just been out of control. Amazing. Good. And you're, you are... Um, Such an visionary. There's, I've never met anybody like you. I've met a lot of amazing people of like, like Oprah and shit. But like, you're like nobody else. I really mean that. I'm intense. Yeah. Yo, intense people get you done. Yeah. That's what happens. That's like how the world works for real. And you either love them or hate them. I love intense people. I love that your wife is the same way as well. Which is what we were talking about. That's right. Okay. What's the um, difference between 20 years ago and today? Yeah. What have you learned? Well, here's the deal. Well, if you can sum what, it up. Here's what, here's what I know. I know... I know the power 
of having God in your life. I know the power of unconditional love. I know the power of prayer. I know the power of miracles. Because I've watched all of it with my wife. As I told you, my wife died of ALS. I took care of her for the last 13 months of her life. God bless her soul. She never spent one day in a home, not one day in a hospital. She was in her home with me in her bed. And I was blessed with being able to build things to make her life easy and make things better. She was able to keep her dignity. And uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to write a book, Love from Above. Because there's nothing out there to... There's no Bible of how to handle someone with ALS and how it can be the most beautiful experience of your entire marriage. Oh, my gosh. Talk about patience and unconditional love. It's a hard, not sexy disease. It's, a it's tough. Disease, but it's hard. I, I want to tell you. It is hard. I, uh, I gave her a bath every morning, and and I would massage her feet with coconut oil and do her legs and roll her over and massage her butt and she would just coo like a morning dove oh my god I could make her laugh at any moment and so you know you have all these bodily functions you have to do and so as it was getting progressively worse you know she no longer could uh, get on the toilet and I didn't have a hoist the bathroom that would fit in there to do that and I just couldn't lift her to do it. And so I, I tried a bedpan and, oh, she would just cry in pain. That didn't work. So I decided, okay, there's got to be a better way. So I looked the situation over and I had one of these nice, um, uh, you know, a nice pad that I had her underneath of her. And, and I'm, you know, because I'm a mechanic, I look at everything. I go, okay, so... If I lift up one cheek, I have her on her side and pillows there, and she's going to have to take a shit. So, so I said, okay, I lift up one cheek. That way that's clean. No matter what happens, I'm 50% cleaned up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I say, all right, sweetheart. I said, I think we're ready to go here. And she had some gas. And I started laughing. I said, there must be laughing gas. I had her laughing so hard. She had the most beautiful bowel movement you ever see. And I, I, I had this nice, you know, this nice liner under her. And I wiped this way, that way. Got my baby wipes, cleaned her up. I mean, in 60 seconds, I had her as clean as a hungry hound's tooth. And, and everything was taken care of. And I learned, I honestly, no, I, God gave me the ability so my wife had dignity. And I took the wheelchair and I, I mounted a, a hillier hoist on the back of the wheelchair so it looked like one piece. And I could jack her up in her wheelchair and put a bedpan under her. And I had a, a plastic bag liner in it. And I could. Oh, she's she could, so lucky she to have could, you. So lucky. She could go to the bathroom. I could just take a baby wipe and clean her up. And I mean, oh, my God. So I could take her anywhere. And, and she had dignity. She didn't have to be in a diaper and, you know, set in her own waist. And I could, you know, and, and that gave her dignity. Yeah, you're motivating me now. I mean, um, my mom's disease is very similar. It's so hard and tragic to see, you know. My mom's single. And she's all alone. And it's like. It's intense. I can make it's my intense. wife laugh at any moment. I mean, any moment. I mean, 
Oh, gosh. I mean, you know. Well, damn, it seems um, you approach your whole life in the same way, you know, which is what comes first. In my life? Yeah. God comes first, yeah. That's on God. Yeah, I mean, if you have God first in your life, everything's going to be good. Everything else is, you can't do wrong. Nothing, and nothing can go wrong. I mean, you just have opportunities. Every now and then you have an inconvenience. But I've never had a problem. Ah, ever. that's yeah. what's wonderful. You, you, See, if you think you have a problem, you're going to have one. I promise you, if you get up in the morning, you think you're going to have a problem, you're going to have a problem. So we, uh, we met earlier today, and one of the first things you said to me was, you said to us, I was about empowering your employees. Yeah. So what kind of a boss... Or you? I think. Hold it. I think. Ex- I forget exactly. Do you remember exactly what he said? But it was like, give your insp- I said space and time. I, I said that most people, when they have an employee, they hire them from the neck down. And I said so they don't use the, the most important part, and that's the head. So I said I got them from the head all the way up, all the way down. So I, I let them. I empower them to use their brain, and so they can be creative. And that's the reason there's so many cool things around here because I let the people create. You did know? you have like a did you have a boss in your life that impow- that you chose this model from, or did you think you learned in spite of what you were not given? I think I learned it all from my own family. My dad was a doer. My dad was uh, come from a family of two, and uh, his mother died when he was ten, so he was raised by a alcoholic he uh, father he was 10, 10 when his mom died so he uh, was in the second world war uh, in the army air corps with his dad his dad and and my father were in the same airplane in the second world war in the army air corps doing reconnaissance over in over in uh, Europe and Germany and uh they both spoke German. So crazy. Yeah, that wouldn't happen today. But back then it did. And so he learned his trade there. He learned to be a photographer in the military and he was a photographer for Caterpillar Tractor, but he could read, he could do anything. One time he decided he was gonna you know, there's no basement under our house. He decided we'd have a basement, so we just dug it out by hand. He laid all the blocks, and we had a basement. And then Nature versus nurture. He decided he would build fireplaces in the house i went with him to the library he got a book on how to lay bricks build a fireplace next thing i know we're building a fireplace you know it's a two-story house so with the basement was three stories so it's a three-story fireplace with a fireplace in the basement a fireplace in the second floor and three flues in it and you had the furnace go into it and all the way to the top and you know, from the from the bottom to the top was about forty five feet of bricks, and you know they did a beautiful job. And I, I was the hod carrier. I mixed every bit of mud. I carried every brick. My dad would get home from work. I'd have everything ready. I mean, I took it great pride in being able to do that. You know, and my parents never had any money. You know, when you have sixteen kids. You're scratching a broke man's ass. My dad and mom yeah. were broke all the time. So my mom always wanted to get a job. And uh, 
She'd always say she needs to help out. She's going to get a job. And I'd beg her. I'd say, Mama, you can't get a job. I said, I'll, I'll work harder. You don't need to get a job. You know, she always wanted to help out. Because the only thing that was ever a problem in our house was, you know, was money, lack of it. Well, that's an issue. Yeah, well, you know, we got along just fine, but I made a lot of money. I was making, by the time I was, I bought my first Jacobson lawnmower when I was eight. By the time I was 10, Jesus. I, had, I owned 10 lawnmowers. I had 10 kids working for me. By the time you were 10? By the time I was 10, I had three paper routes. I had, uh, I was I was on the move. I mean, I had some shit happening. And uh, I, uh, I made a lot of money. <laughs> I mean. Well, that's obviously still happening now. I, yeah, but, you know, I didn't. I didn't need to keep any of it. I gave it to my mom because she wanted to go get a job. I couldn't let her get a job. She had 16 kids to take care of. I couldn't let her go to work. She had plenty to do. She baked bread, 10 loaves of bread, every uh, every uh, day for six days a week. Bernie. Yeah. My mom was amazing. She died at 92 in her home, in her bed. With 13 kids around her in a circle of love, we just got done saying the rosary, and we're singing, and she said, the angel's here to take her to heaven. The angel, the angel came to her and told her that her time was near, so she quit drinking and quit eating and just told us all that she's not going to drink anymore, she's not going to eat anymore, because it's time for her to go to heaven. The angel told her her time's near. So the day before she died, the angel come and took her to heaven, and she come back and told us everything about heaven. <laughs> and it was exciting. I mean, it was... Some, what was the people, best part? How many, well, she said that she was with her mother and how great it was to visit with her mother. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. yourself? I've never had a bad day ever in my life. We all blessed, Oh, my goodness. I mean... Have a beautiful place Thank you. Thank you. It's a work in progress. I found out if you work, you make some progress. That's right. A little bit. If you got God in your life, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a beautiful life. Absolutely, amen. And you're never gonna have a problem. Right. You might you might have a inconvenience, but you'll never have a problem. So, I'm like the most blessed person in the world, and I know it. My daughter says the reason I'm blessed is because I know I'm blessed. There's probably some truth to that too. Oh. Did you guys get in the water today? We did. How was it? I haven't been in yet. We're going to make our way. Does it close? What time does it close? 11.45. Are you serious? You got time. It's only... Shit. It's 10.35. Well, you're going to go right now. Well, we could do this all day. For real. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. I do want to wrap up just solely because of time. I could listen to you and talk to you all day. Really. Is there anything that um, you haven't said that you want to make sure you get to say for our first time talking? This is just time number one. I just think that there's more opportunity now than there's ever been in the history of man. So I really, uh, I, I don't want young people to get discouraged. So I think that it's, uh, it's our job, it's our job to, to encourage young people to do better and then to give them some guidance on how to do better. Do you think freedom is free? There's not such a thing as free freedom, no. Never has been, never will be. I think that, I think that um, um, America 
we only have one problem, and that is is that somehow we've decided that our morals are no longer important. You know, it seems like um, lack of morals are, are where I see uh, the downfall of America. Not money, none of that. It has nothing to do with that. Uh, not with industry, morals, lack of. Not treating other one. I, I think my motto is make America kind again. I've kind of been kind of glad there's been COVID. I thought maybe people would be kind to one another again. No. Uh, well, that's what I was hoping to see, though. I was yeah. hoping to see some kindness. Yeah. But uh, it's few and far between. Well, to end on a high note. You should go use the healing waters. You'll feel 10 years younger. It says in can't Genesis wait. on the third day, there's life-giving water flowing from the earth. <laughs> Talking about China Hot Springs. I didn't write that book. I only read it. <laughs> this has been amazing. I am so, so happy. So happy. I think you give this feeling to a lot of people. I'm slouching. And I'm, I don't even, I'm not even really worried about it. Yeah, I, um, I think I've been blessed with all this energy. I mean, I'm, I'll be up at 5 a.m. I'll go to bed about 12.30, 1 o'clock, and I'll be up at 5. I don't need an alarm clock. And uh, when I get up, like Moon will tell you, she's never seen me like me. You're happy. You know, I'm happy because I've already talked to the Lord and, I asked for wisdom, and he's never once turned you down. you got to ask for it. And uh, so it just makes me a happy character. And I have five brothers that are in wheelchairs, muscular dystrophy, so they can't pick up a cup of coffee, comb their hair. So, God, it's crazy so, that you... I'm so happy so, that you don't have that. So, so I'm blessed, but when I was 10, I, I hated myself because I had to... You guys go and do your thing. We're going to keep talking. You guys go, 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 get, go get in the water and everything. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Go, go. You should actually go with them. But anyway. No, it's, it's we'll just finish about this time. up real quick. Okay. But I, uh, when I was 10, I hated me because I had to dress, uh, you know, bathe my brother and dress him and take him to the toilet and wipe his ass. And, mm. and I didn't like doing it. And sometimes I didn't get his ass very clean. And I felt terrible because sometimes I was a little bit mean. I did it. But I didn't do it with any love. And so I told my mom. I said, Mama. I was a real mama's boy. I said, how can you do this every day? How, how do you do that? She said, sweetie, she had to come over here. So she put her arm around me. And she said, she said, if you could take that hatred that's in your heart and turn it to love, you'll never, ever smell your brother's shit again. But if you keep that hatred in your heart, you'll never experience love and you'll never, ever have a good day, ever. If you want to have a good day, you have to have love in your heart, not hatred. She said, you'll never have a bad day if you get rid of that hatred out of your heart. Amen. So I thought I'm 10. Easier said than done, yeah. Yeah, so I thought about it. Next day, I, I took care of my brother, and I had his ass really nice and clean. I didn't, I didn't leave it dirty, and I never smelled his shit ever again. And I took my hatred and turned it to love, 
And from that day on, I never had a bad day ever. That's why when I don't care who you talk to about Bernie Carl, I don't care who it is, they'll say, yeah, that guy's never had a bad day ever in his life. Because I haven't since I was 10. That's a nice note to leave on. So what you have to do is take the hatred that's in your heart and turn it to love. They're very close emotions and you'll never have a bad day ever. That's my secret. And that is it. Bernie Carl, you have just met the man, the mystery, and the legend. So once again, if you want to contact him or you wanted to learn more about him, just Google Bernie Carl Chino Hot Springs and everything comes up that you need to know. That is Carl with a K. And also, I must say, after we left the um, his presence that night, we went to the hot springs, we went up, and we did not see the Northern Lights that night, but we ended up seeing them the next. But before we left Alaska, he invited me and my friend Alex Thompson, who's a photographer, to go with him um, to Unalaska, which is an island, to see his whole project. And, of course, I had to come back to the Cubay, so I wasn't able to go. But one day, that is definitely a goal. Now, coming up next week, we have Marty Rainey. He's the guy who introduced us to Bernie when we were in Alaska. And he's from Ultimate Survival Alaska and the Homestead shows, all those shows on Nat Geo and Disney+. Plus. That's him, Marty Rainey. Google him as well. He's all over the place, and he's a great guy we met while we were there and has set us all up. We've become friends with these guys, too, so if you ever... Uh, you guys want to um, get in contact with them, just let us know. And that is about it. If you like the podcast, subscribe, like, follow, leave a review or whatnot. Or if you know anyone who you think would be a great person of interest candidate, please DM me, Natalie, at WKRQ.com. Or on any of the socials, I'm Nat Jones with three O's on them all. I love you. And whatever it is you do today, make yourself proud. I'll see you next week.